0: Welcome to All of the Above. My name is Trevor. I am one of the pastors at the Church at Greer Station. All of the Above is a podcast of CCGS where we couldn't decide whether we wanted to talk about books, philosophy of ministry, theology, so we said we're going to talk about all of the above. With me today is one of our elders, Jim Slice. Jim, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Good morning. It's it's good to be back. Yeah, glad to have you on, man. Uh, this, it's been a while since I've hosted, so I hope I can... It's been a while since I've guessed it. Is yeah, that the right so... word? Guested. Sure, it? Okay. it is now. Um all right, so in keeping with the discussion today, what is a uh, what is on the, the Slice Family fall bucket list? What would be at the top of that list? What's something that you have to do this time of year?
1: Well, you kind of reminded me of this. Uh, one of my, my favorite movies um, for kind of fall and a little bit spooky is Something Wicked This Way Comes. And uh, it's kind of um, what I, I would categorize as Disney horror. So pretty sanitized, pretty clean, uh, but very, very spooky. So looking forward to
0: that. Yeah, that's on my uh, that's my reading list this fall. I wanna I wanna give that a read for the first time. Ray Bradbury.
1: Yeah, I might I might actually read it too. So.
0: Yeah, well, tune in. Maybe we'll have a discussion on that particular. Uh, I book. look forward to that. <laughs> All right. So, the question at hand for us today is horror horror stories. Horror. Yeah. So, do horror stories speak to anything true? Is wow. there is there any do horror stories have any kind of role in the Christian's life? Now, Man,
1: that's a good question.
0: And it's, it's tough for me, and I wrote down a couple of reasons why. So it, it's tough for me, first, because it's it's very it's very tough to think about. Uh, because one, we, we don't want to... We want to be careful not to celebrate things that don't need to be celebrated.
1: Right, right. We, we
0: don't want to celebrate evil. We don't want to look at evil and call it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the foundation of sin, definition of sin. Um, we also don't want to encourage anyone to violate their conscience. Mm-hmm. We recognize that this is a conscience issue, mm-hmm. that for some folks reading... Um, Something like something wicked this way comes might violate their conscience. I mean, for some folks, we, yeah. Harry Potter might violate their conscience. And Absolutely, we, we like to we like to poo poo on that, but you know, <laughs> but we don't want to we don't want to do that. We want to right. encourage people to go with their conscience, and we also don't want to sort of overstate the case and mm-hmm. suggest that um, that there's a unique role. I don't know that horror has in, in sanctifying. Yeah, us. You yeah. Know what I mean,
1: not not something that is essential um, or even you know, part of a healthy diet, necessarily, like, you can't get by without it. Um, just, is there anything redeemable in it?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to say it. I, I, so Philippians 4, eight is a familiar scripture. Mm-hmm. Paul says, if there's anything worthwhile, noteworthy, proper, good, righteous, and true, think about these things. And so is there anything good or true about horror stories? Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Jim?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before, and I think that I would say that uh, a lot of horror stories is going to deal with uh, the reality that, that we don't live in a, a merely material world, Yeah, um, a world that um, eventually um, science, engineering, mathematics is going to fully define, mm. um, but there is a nature and a super nature, mm. um, and we can master nature. Um, but supernature is always going to kind of stand above that. And, um, so horror recognizes that. Um, and I think, well,
0: yeah, no. So we've talked about this goodness at length. If you've ever been to a campfire with me or Jim or the combination (laughs) of the two of us, we've probably talked about this kind of thing. Um, for what campfires are just the perfect place to discuss this sort of thing. Um, and you know church if you're listening you've probably noticed that I have a bigfoot sticker on my phone and uh, it's it's because Emily was kind of trolling me I like to joke about bigfoot and <laughs> believing in bigfoot so she bought me stickers and joke about it right 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 <laughs> <laughs> but something i love about the idea of bigfoot and i don't i don't believe in bigfoot but <laughs> something i love about the idea is that that there is something in our world that has evaded Science and our understanding, mm. and that there are these pockets of planet Earth that we just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yet. You, you know what I mean? Like there's something, it's other than us. It is outside of us, and it is beyond our understanding. And I love that we just quite haven't plumbed the depths of right. God's creation. You, right. you know what I mean? And so, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the Enlightenment, um, you know, obviously it brought benefits um, with rationalist thinking, uh, but there was an arrogance that came with it too, mm. and um, mystery, uh, the supernatural, um, is sort of a humility, or um, oh, what's the, not humiliating, but um, making humble yeah. um, those who are you know prone to that. It's a corrective.
0: Yeah, and and obviously the scripture speaks about this world being charged with God's glory. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins who, who kind of coined that phrase that the world is charged with the glory of God, mm. and that the the that there is more to the natural world than what meets the eye that God is not, that God is not removed that the spiritual realm is is not removed and distant from us but but the world is a thin place. it's mm-hmm. a place where there's at, at any moment the supernatural could invade into the natural and right And you know again, we're not making a blanket statement that all horror stories and, and horror films or whatever are, are edifying but something we are saying is generally, what it acknowledges is that the world is a thin place, and at any moment, mm-hmm. the natural could be invaded with mm-hmm. the supernatural.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think we talked about this before, but, I mean, is this an appropriate place to discuss the numinous? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, C.S. Lewis' conception of sort of uh, otherworldly things, um, often good, sometimes um, sometimes bad. Um, but that kind of stand over against us as, as a mystery and defy uh, description or explanation. And you see this repeatedly in his um, speculative fiction type works, the space trilogy, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I think even in The Great Divorce, hmm. uh, there are a lot of aspects or elements where uh, he's describing something as. That's um, almost beyond description, beyond understanding, beyond our kin, and um, trying to um, present this idea that there are some ideas, some realities that are um, bigger than our comprehension, um, bigger than our ability to fully apprehend. Um, and that that's a good thing. That's, mm. that's kind of an exciting thing. Um, we don't want to be able to, to box everything into like easy categorization and understanding and conception.
0: And, and what's the general uh, reaction that his characters, when, when they find themselves in the presence of this, this thing that is so overwhelmingly other, like typically, what's the reaction of those characters?
1: Awe. Awe, I think, generally. Um, quietness. Maybe a little bit of uh, kind of panic reactions. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, in The line the Witch, of the Wardrobe, the Pevensies, I think, are having tea with the beavers and... Aslan is mentioned, and it kind of talks about all four characters, all four children. That you know, the three—Peter, uh, Susan, and Lucy—kind um, of get a thrill, and they're like, "Yeah, we've heard about this Aslan." Um, and Edmund gets sort of the sinking horror. Mm-hmm. Um, similar in *The Silver Chair*, uh, Jill is confronted with Aslan on top of the mountain at the beginning of the book, and she's dying of thirst and. He's sitting there by the stream. And, and she doesn't think he's going to eat her, but it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she she needs water or she's going to die. And, you know, says to him, it's like, would you mind maybe getting up and moving for a little bit? And Aslan just kind of looks at her with a blank stare. And, um, yeah, so that those kind of reactions of, you know, you don't have like full control of your your senses you don't have full control of your logic um your faculties like you're you're panicking a little bit um I, i think that's when you're confronted with the numinous that's sort of the natural human response
0: you know what i just thought about as you were talking what uh you know what uh filmmaker i feel like had a stretch where their stuff was just crushing this steven spielberg Mm. Like if you think about E.T. Close Encounters with the Third Kind, mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. and even Jurassic Park, there's mm. kind of this idea of, of the numinous. Like you're being confronted with this alien like sometimes literally alien that is so true. Yeah. force or being or creature mm-hmm. that tends to be I mean, for the good, for for the for the characters who are the good characters, they respond with awe and reverence. Um and then for the characters that's that's got a little bit of a an awe and reverence that is rooted in fear. Like mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a kind of a horror flavor to it. Uh, but then for the evil characters, you know, the ones who are portrayed it, they're, they're trying to master it. They're trying to kind of get their hands on it. Right. You know, they're trying to exploit it for profit or whatever. Mm. So that's something no, about that. No, that's excellent. And that's um, something that Jurassic World didn't have. Anyway, we can talk about that <laughs> another time. <laughs> i
1: hate on Chris Pratt more, but that, whatever. Chris um, Pratt, overrated, man. <laughs> Um, no, uh, it's so funny you should mention that. When I was reading, uh, you know, the section on the numinous um, in the the book that you lent me, um, "Close Encounters of the Third Kind" mm. is is one example that came to mind. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, Steven Spielberg was just especially good at um, touching on the mysterious and the strange and the odd, and giving a real sense of wonder about it. You know, mm. not not just horror, but like a a wonder that. Kind of makes you pause, mm. and um, or makes you pause isn't the right word. Freeze.
0: Well, the thing about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that's a, that is a great film. It's mm-hmm. it's spooky when it needs to be, but it's also like I don't know, just beautiful and kind of brings tears to your eyes when mm-hmm. it, when it needs to be. Um, is this character has this encounter with the other, and he he becomes fixated by it. Right. Um, and it, what you find out is basically everyone who's had this encounter becomes fixated by it and mm-hmm. kind of compelled by it and drawn in. Uh, and there's something, well. And of course the movie ends with, um, him being
1: taken by the, the beings he had the encounter with. And literally in in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh,
0: that's so good. <laughs> Cold chills, man. It's oh, so sorry.
1: Good. Spoiler alert. But that movie came out in the late seventies. So, so it's on, that's you. on you if, uh, if it's spoiled.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So, so then how, do how do these, how does this then overlay with the scriptures?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the scripture is rich with encounters like this. Mm. Um, um, William, um, I, I don't know if I should be referencing him, but, but Brian Williams and his book. Yeah, so
0: we, we had Brian on the podcast a couple oh, of episodes ago. We okay. interviewed
1: Brian. I did not make that connection. Come on, man. That was a great podcast. I... <laughs> it's the same guy. Okay, my bad. Um, well, his, his reference to um, several of the encounters... Um, he mentions uh, Jacob. I've mean, seeing the um, angels ascending a ladder into heaven. Mm. Um, he talks about Isaiah is sort of the mm. um, one of my favorite examples of just encountering holiness, and it. Um, and Isaiah's response is, "Oh, it's, it's essentially he's saying it's killing me. It's tearing me apart." Mm. Um, and and even more subtly, I think Peter in Luke's gospel, like at one point, um, he's. He's already starting to hang out with Jesus. He, he's he got some concept that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, but then one day, uh, Jesus preaches a sermon from Peter's boat. And after the sermon, um, Jesus says, why don't you let your net down for some fish? And Peter's like, I tried all night long. I didn't catch anything. But because you said it, I'll do it. And he pulls in more fish than they've ever seen. And it's basically sinking the boat. And Peter has this kind of realization. Like He, he looks and he he just gets a glimpse of who jesus is mm. and says go away from me i am an unclean man mm. i am a sinner mm. um and you know others um ezekiel you know encountering the wheel within wheels um yeah. wheels within wheels um really like any apocalyptic description of you know what daniel or john um, is seeing is something that defies description and they try to encapsulate it in language, but you know that the visuals they're using are just barely scratching the surface of what it is they saw.
0: Mm. Uh, Man, I especially love John's encounter with Jesus at the beginning of Revelation because Mm -hmm. this is presumably it is John who is the beloved disciple. And if if John has spent, you know, three years with Jesus, intimately relating with Jesus, I mean seeing Jesus um, you know, day in and day out, uh, time and time again, and then he encounters Jesus again in this vision, and it says that he falls down as though dead, mm-hmm. um, describing himself, and then he begins describing Jesus, and like you said, he can he can barely get a, a handle on what it is he's experiencing. And he's kind of grasping at straws, you know, trying to trying to give us some idea of this mm-hmm. experience that evades description, uh, and it's just. Uh, so powerful to me to think about this man who who knew Jesus on such an intimate level. And then when the, when the veil is removed and he sees Jesus as he is, he's undone. Very powerful. Um, and then I, I, I thought about Isaiah six too, when, mm-hmm. when he's brought into the temple of the Lord and he says, woe is me. He's, he's being undone. He's, he's disintegrating. You know, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips amidst the people of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. And then of course the Lord sends an angel to purify him with a burning coal. Right. Now, what about, what about in, in these horror stories when when it's not just fixation or fascination in, in the encounter with the other? What what about this kind of sense of dread? You know, we, we before we were recording this, we were talking about HP Lovecraft. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where again and again in his stories it's someone meets this alien other and it results in this person's madness. Right. Does that is there any truth in that?
1: Um I I think a little a little bit um I do think that it is a picture of I don't know the supernatural or the divine that you know places it on a like or, or gives it I, I don't know due respect mm. um but maybe the kind of respect that you would show to an enemy mm. um and say like you you are a powerful foe um and, and just to be in your presence is to make me realize Um, That how small or insignificant um, and essentially undo my, you know, my composition, my being um, the same way that kind of in kind of the same way and kind of an echo um, of we see it with Isaiah and with Peter and John. Um, So. So, yeah, like it's touching on the truth, um, but it's it's maybe a slightly inverted truth. Like I I think that when Lovecraft, um, when H.P. Lovecraft is describing one of those beings, um, the assumption in Lovecraft's mind is that the being is wicked Mm. and the person encountering the being is reasonably good. Um, He doesn't have the the recognition that um, followers followers of Christ have that the reason that the encounter undoes the person is because the being is good. Mm. Mm. Um, and the person encountering it um, is the one who doesn't conform to that mm. standard of goodness. That's really good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it gets close, but but there is yeah just that
0: that one kind of missing element, one one thing lacking. Yeah. Again, we were talking about this before recording. It, it reminds me of can't remember the exact character, but it, but in the Fellowship of the Ring, when the Fellowship is going to meet Galadriel. So if you're not into Lord of the Rings, Galadriel's this. I don't even know what she is. She's some sort of elven creature with great majesty and beauty. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's awe and reverence and fear kind of wrapped up in an encounter with her. And uh, one of the characters says, is she perilous? Like, is it is it a dangerous thing to go visit Galadriel? And another character says, she is perilous only to those who bring peril mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, That's perfect. Goodness, which I love. The beavers say that too. Like Aslan, um, the one of the children asks... Um, is that, is Aslan safe? I mean, he's a lion. Like mm. lions, eat eat children. And Beaver says, "Is he safe? No. Of course
0: he isn't safe. But he's good. Mm. He's good. Mm. And we see, that's that's true of Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. how often do you see in Jesus? Jesus responds with compassion and tenderness mm-hmm. and patience to people who come looking for that. But for people coming to to pick a fight, Jesus is perilous. Right. Um, he he brings he brings destruction. He's he's not shy of laying the boom. If you ma-
1: yeah, if you make your living by defiling the temple of the Lord, um, Jesus is going to drive you out with whips. Mm. And um, we believe that on the last day, I mean, when Jesus returns, that um, there's going to be a similar judgment, mm. that um, he will be uh, terrible um, to those who, who
0: have been terrible themselves. Mm. Which brings up one other thing that you mentioned that I thought was a really interesting idea, that one, one other function of horror stories. Um, this idea of justice or wrongs being righted or Mm -hmm. virtues being celebrated and vice being punished kind of expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it it does seem to be kind of a traditional horror trope that, um, a lot of the victims of of whoever it is, um, are usually lacking virtue, um, Mm -hmm. are going to be, um, caught up in some vice and, Um, some of the meta horror movies have like actually pointed this out, discussed it. Um, but, um, there is, yeah, that, that other element that, um, there is consequences, Mm. consequences for, um, disobedience and, um, vice and unholiness and wickedness. Um, those things will in the end, um, result in judgment.
0: Mm. I think again about Jurassic Park, not strictly a horror film, mm-hmm. but, um, I can't remember the name of the lawyer, but the lawyer kind of gets his comeuppance, right. um, from the T-Rex and, um, uh, pretty much everyone in that movie who is, you know, devious and, and trying to master and make profit from the dinosaurs ends up, that ends up being their doom.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that I think that's, um, a difference from the book, like the lawyer survives the book, but, mm. Um, but for a movie, for a Steven Spielberg, you, you've got to go with the very like traditional morality that mm-hmm. the wicked perish, the wicked um, receive their consequences, yeah, often from the the very thing that they're they're trying to control or master. Yeah, that's yeah, good.
0: Well, once again, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the case. Like mm-hmm. the, the, those who want the ark so badly, they're the ones who get the ark. Right. Um, yeah, that's great, man. Um, well, well. As we as we kind of lay in the plane, I mean, what are there any ways in which we can really go off the rails with the, this this conversation? Um what sort of pastoral warning about horror could we offer here? You know, acknowledging that there that horror can tell the truth and that that it does touch on something true and right and biblical. But I don't know, where might it go wrong? Where 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 does horror get it wrong?
1: Um yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you, you mentioned one. Um, I mean, we want to be sensitive to our, our consciences mm. and avoid those things that, um, would sear our conscience. Um, I think that some horror movies, um, are not really trying to make a point. They, mm. they are magnifying, um, Sometimes blood, um, Mm. sometimes, um, gore, sometimes, um, even the satanic and, um, and being especially cautious with those, um, again, back to C.S. Lewis at the beginning of the screw tape letters, um, talks about the two mistakes that you can make with regards to the devil, um, either, uh, you know, ignoring him or disbelieving him, disbelieving in him or like an unhealthy fascination with him Mm. and, um he said that the devil is equally satisfied with materialists people who don't believe in him or magicians people who mm. um interact with him too much and i mean so that's yeah I, I guess that's one warning area um and then you know like i said before you know not recognizing that if we find ourselves encountering the supernatural and we're terrified of it it's not because the supernatural is necessarily bad um, against our goodness, but, but because we don't measure up to the holiness of a holy God. Mm. Um, and, um, so wanting to keep that in mind, um, I think those are kind of the points. Can you think of any
0: others? Yeah. I mean, I would really press in on the conscience, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you're, if you, I mean, generally speaking, this goes for any kind of media consumption, mm-hmm. um, be that horror or comedy, goodness, whatever else. Um, but there's things that you're watching and, and and you know enjoying, and you're kind of watching and enjoying it kind of against your conscience. I would say that's a dangerous, Absolutely. place to go uh, because we. The, Paul is very clear that we want to be obedient to our conscience, that the Lord speaks to us by His Holy Spirit through our conscience. Um, and so being being attentive to that, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think I think the point that you, that you made there there's a there's a way to kind of f- to uh, fetishize ugliness, mm-hmm. and um, that you know kind of seems uniquely. Uh, horror seems uniquely kind of some horror seems uniquely intent on that, mm-hmm. um, and but again, that's also true of action and comedy and and whatever else. Sitcoms they they have a way of kind of taking the ugly and and, and the immoral and uh, celebrating that. And so we want to we want to be quick to uh, discern and, and dismiss anything that does that.
1: Yeah, I I think it's tough to like I, we kind of hesitate to give particular examples. It's tough to quantify um, for sure, and, but yeah but be developing that and be seeing like you know there there's um, yeah some things that are are probably not just conscience questions, but mm. maybe absolutely
0: yeah um, not edifying for the believer yeah um, or for anyone so yeah. hey, and this is this is as all, as we often do, a great place to press in with community and wise brothers and mm-hmm. sisters who can they can speak into some of those things in a more particular detail. Man, this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, um, uh, if you're listening, man, thank you for for uh, tuning in to all of the above. This is one of my favorite things that our church does is mm-hmm. uh, gets to kind of hear from our body and hear from our elders and. And different people in the church on different issues that are uh i don't know kind of unique and, and interesting and mm-hmm. and uh you know we felt like it was given the season and uh given the fact that I know a lot of people in our body enjoy the spooky season thought hey let's let's talk about this for a second mm-hmm. and see if there's anything redeemable in it if you have any if you ever have any recommendations on anything that we could cover on all of the above any questions that you think worth exploring then let us know we would love to love to hear from you talk about that you can email me you can email jim uh, you can email Jonathan Franklin, our media director at media at Once again well, thanks for thank you for listening, Jim. Thank you for yeah, my pleasure. taking some time I really to, to being record here. this. Blessings to you church and we will talk to you soon.